Pushkin. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Solar power and wind power are amazing. But, and we talked about this recently on the show, they have this major flaw. They're intermittent. The sun doesn't always shine. The wind doesn't always blow. This is a fact you might reflect on as you are gazing out at some majestic vista. Maybe you're on a bluff overlooking the sea. And then you notice something. The waves. They never stop. They may be bigger or smaller, but they're always there. If only there were some way to capture the energy that is right there in those waves. This is not a new idea. People have wanted to do this for literally hundreds of years. Unfortunately, though, it's not as easy as it sounds. There are a lot of problems to solve. But sometime, probably in the next few weeks, a tugboat will pull a yellow 30-foot-long wave energy converter out of Honolulu Harbor and around to a mooring on the north shore of Oahu. There, a crew of engineers will basically plug this thing into a cable on the ocean floor, and if everything goes according to plan, it will start producing electricity. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? My guest today is Tim Munden, Chief Technology Officer at Oscilla Power. Tim's problem is this. How do you turn the waves in the ocean into electrical power? One of the interesting things to me about your field is it seems really hard, right? I mean, it's been this period, this the 20 or so years you've been in the field, it seems like wave power has has been like one challenge after another. I don't know. I mean, this is me not knowing much about it, but... Well, you know, that's true, but it's not just since I've been in the field. It's been a lot longer than that. I mean, the first patent on, on wave energy is was was filed in, I think, 1799, which, which is kind of crazy, really. Yeah. 
I think a lot of the challenge comes from the fact that when you look into the ocean, you think, well, that's pretty straightforward. The waves just move up and down. We can just put something on it to be able to harness that energy. And you can. All that energy is right there. It, it, like yeah. you can see it where the water moves up and down, right? But th there are fundamental challenges that make the, that we found the, that mean that that's not quite so straightforward. Uh -huh. um, you know, Wick, you could create this long list, but in, in essence, there's a massive amount of energy in a relatively small space. It's the power density. And it, because it's so high, uh, and much higher than wind or solar, that it has a tendency to break things. Uh -huh. And so you not only to have to have something that's like efficient, but you also have to have something that's strong. And oftentimes those are in um, uh, conflict with each other. Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. So if you build something that's tough enough to float out there in the waves and survive, it's not as good as capturing the energy and vice versa. Well, yeah, that's precisely correct. And so is, is there an underlying problem there that's a problem for anybody trying to turn ocean waves into electrical power, which is that the ocean moves in all different directions. It moves in three to up and down and side to side. And that's way more complicated than like having a windmill and the wind blows into it and it turns. Like, is that a, a starting problem? Is that the, the motion is in kind of all different directions in the ocean? That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's more than that as well. And maybe, maybe we can kind of simplify it in many ways. It, it's, it is that energy doesn't flow in a linear fashion. It moves in a very different way. It actually moves in, in the particles, ocean particles move in circles. Uh -huh. And so you don't have this linear flow uh, of particles like you would in wind. Um, and so that's, that's the first big problem. The second big problem as well is, you know, it's much denser. Um, and so you, you have this, um, you know, you have to manage that, that high power density as well. Um, and it also high variability as well on a very short time frame. Now, over longer time periods, waves are extremely consistent. You know, we have, it's much more consistent than wind or solar, but over the course of a few seconds, you know, waves change quite a lot. And you have to factor all of that into that um, capture part of the system. So I know you have these two different sort of models, these two different wave power generators you're working on. Uh, one's called the Triton C. It's a big one and a little one. It's the little one that's, that's further along. That's the one in Honolulu right now. When exactly is that one going to be installed, going to be turned on? It's a really good question. Uh, we're currently waiting for weather windows. The site that we're using is it's an it's a um, energetic site, so this waves are big, which means that um, it can sometimes be challenging for the sort of construction operations that need to go in order to make the site ready. Um, and so we're waiting for the right window to be able to to take that system around Honol around Hawaii from Honolulu to uh, Kanahoe, which is on the north side of the island. So is that like next few weeks, next few months? Honestly, we're hoping that it, it is in the next few weeks. So let's talk. I know this is a smaller one. And will that be the first real world, um, you know, out there generating power thing for you guys? For us, that's right. That'll be our first uh, commercial type unit that will be plugged into the grid and generating power. Um, We've done other ocean deployments before this point in order to be able to demonstrate elements of the technology. We previously deployed out in New Hampshire um, and, and done ocean deployments there um, where we've been able to look at specific elements and prove that they work. But this will be the first in integrated, complete system connected to the grid. So let's talk about the device, the Triton. Sure. Uh, is the little one the Triton C or is the big one the Triton C? Sorry, the little one is the Triton C. It's really innovatively okay. named for the C to stand for community. Uh, yeah, okay. we could we could we could have come up with something a little bit more exciting, but no, Triton was the is the name of the larger system. Yeah. 
Uh, Triton is good. Triton is very exciting. I think staying with that is smart. So this thing that is sitting there in Honolulu right now that's about to get towed out and plugged in, for lack of a better word, tell me just what does it look like? How big is it? Of course. So the, the, the Triton architecture, which all of our systems follow, um, comprises a floating um, object on the surface, a hull. Hanging beneath that hull is a ring. That stays very still while the surface float is being moved by waves. And then those, the relative motion of those two bodies is what generates power. So there's, there's the piece that floats on the surface. Uh, the ones I've seen in pictures are yellow, just to yes. help picture it, right? And that's floating there on the surface. And there are a few, was it three or four cables three. going down from the surface, connecting to this ring that is suspended under the water below the floating part of the, of the Triton, right? That's correct. And because there are three lines that connect the, the float to the ring, all the motions that the, that the waves move the float with translate into relative motion, and that's what um, generates power. So let's talk that through a little bit. So you've got the three lines connecting the, the ring under the water to the thing floating. And what you're saying is when, the, when, when everything is floating side to side or kind of back and forth, that's all generating power, right? So how, how does that work? What's actually happening? So what you say is absolutely correct. So all of that generates relative motion between the two bodies. So in the Triton C, that causes a drum to rotate. That drum, that rotation of that drum turns a generator. It, it's quite straightforward. And that's all inside, that's all inside the thing that's floating on the surface. That's correct. The, the drum and the generator, that's all yeah. inside the floating thing, yeah. That, that's right, so it all, it all happens inside there. There's a, um, obviously there's power electronics and there's electrical power systems that allow us to take that power and move it outside of the float. And there's just a cable that what runs under the ocean sea floor or something? There's a line running from the from the Triton to, to the floor, to a cable? Yeah, it's basically, it's almost as simple as that. Um, it, <laughs> slightly, slightly more involved, but not much more, yeah. honestly. Um, yeah. You would have, uh, it's, it's actually no different than what would be done for an offshore wind project. They lay cables along the seafloor, uh, they have a, an interconnection point, and then there's a cable that goes from our device down to the seafloor to connect into it. It's pretty straightforward, it's been done for many years. And so the, the Triton C, the smaller one, uh, that's about to be deployed, how big is it? How big is the part that floats on the surface? It's 10 meters long, which I think is about 30 okay. feet. 30 plus feet. Okay. So pretty big, not that little. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's obviously um, space inside for all of the equipment, plus engineers themselves. Obviously, you know, any access would be for maintenance. So this thing is there in Honolulu Harbor. Sort of any day now, it sort of reminds me of like a rocket launch, right? When they're, when they got the rocket ready to launch and they're just waiting for <laughs> everything to come into line, right? Like, and they put it off and they wait and then they do it. So this thing that's going to happen any day, a ship is going to tow the Triton Sea out to sea uh, and hook it up, basically? Literally, all that is needed is a tugboat will come, will hook up to the system, it will tow it to the site, will attach the moorings and then it will be ready to go. It really just, it's quite straightforward, but it is, it obviously requires certain sea states. It couldn't go out um, in the highest waves because when you're towing something, you wouldn't want you know, an enormous storm to be breaking those tow lines and things like that. So there is a particular limit to that installation. Is there already a power line uh, you know, on the seafloor there? How does that piece of it work? Yeah, that, that's right. That, that's one of the main reasons why we're going here. 
um, is because this is what's called the Wave Energy Test Site. Again, it's another really interesting acronym. Um, you know, WETS is what it's known as. Um, that and, is a good acronym, though. <laughs> WETS is a good acronym for testing wave energy. And there are other test sites as well, but for the moment, uh, this is the main one in the U.S. So they already have a, a subsea cable. They have three berths. Um, and so we're going into one that's 30 meters of water depth. And yes, it has a submarine cable uh -huh. coming out to it. And and the idea is the uh, the device, the Triton C, will start generating power immediately. Tow it out. That's correct. Plug it in. Turn it on like a like a lamp. Yes, actually, it, it is as simple as that. In a minute, how do we get from plugging in a prototype in Hawaii to wave generated power at scale? Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Customers were paying too much for shaving products. So the people at Harry's came up with a way to make beautifully designed razors and sell them at lower prices. Exceptional products at honest prices. I've been using a Harry's razor the last few weeks, and it's great. Close shave. It's got a nice hinge, so it bends around my face in the right places. And I've used the same blade for multiple shaves, and it is still going strong. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry. They offer a no-risk trial, and Harry's offers a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Here's a headline. Harry's has the best shave at the best price. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com problem. That's harrys.com slash problem for a $3 trial set. That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show. Given that you're just now, you know, out in the real ocean for the first time, the thing I'm thinking about given this conversation is like, oh, how, how long is it going to last? How often is it going to break? Right? Like these seem like super hard things you're just going to have to figure out by having your, by having your products out in the ocean and having a break and understanding how they break and how to make them break less. And that's exactly right. We can only do so much. 
Um, and yeah. yes, the whole point in testing is to be able to evaluate it. The ocean is an extremely harsh environment. You know, the seawater yeah. itself is, you know, terrible on, on metal components. Um, and we're trying to look at minimizing that. There's fouling, which is this, there's all these list of challenges that we spent a lot of time trying to mitigate to this point, but we won't really know the impact unless we can take some solid long duration time in the water. And that's where we're, where we're at right now. Um, that being said, there is an enormous amount of experience within uh, just companies in the marine space that have solved these challenges before. So half of the battle is finding out what the challenge is. And then we can kind of reach out to these people to solve it. As figure well as out what's going to break and then figure out who's fixed similar problems in the past precisely, and figure out how they precisely. fixed them. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned that it's at a test site. Is the sole purpose of this just to see if it works or does it have some additional function besides the sort of research piece? So we have hopes for what we can do with it after we complete this testing. Um, although that's still to be determined. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to be testing it, checking everything is exactly as we intend it to be. Um, and then once that testing is complete, the intent or the hope is to bring it back to Washington State where we can have it generate power to a, a native or tribal community, um, ideally somewhere uh, in Washington. Uh, is there any particular reason that you that a native or tribal community is the optimal uh, use case? Well, the Trident Sea itself is intended for one of two different markets, the community, you know, remote, isolated communities. And, and in many cases, the, these tribal communities are very isolated. They don't have good energy security. So this is an ideal solution for those that are on the coast. There is also the, the possibility for power at sea applications um, where you can provide power remote locations, very remote at sea locations where there are no other sources of power. So it might be a substitute for like places where the power goes off and people use gas generators regularly. Like it's a sort of like instead of having to use the gas generator, you can use the Triton C. Is it something like that? Is it that kind of, am I, am I thinking the right scale if I'm thinking that way? You, you are think, thinking about it in the right way, especially when you consider that in many remote communities, getting fuel to these communities is absolutely critical. Yeah. You know, they can't always, you know, act, you could be on an island somewhere. They could be, you know, in remote Alaska, you know, just the cost of fuel transport is an order of magnitude more than the cost of the fuel itself. Yeah. And so the, the actual cost of power generation in those places is exceptionally high. And it's also a very inefficient way to get power, right? Burning fuel in a fuel generator is, it's costly and it's has a big carbon footprint, right? It has a big carbon footprint, that's correct. Um, for us, the, the goal here is, is really doing that at a large scale. So, you know, the, the small communities are, can be a real ben can benefit quite a lot from this technology, but we can all benefit a lot from being able to scale this up to multi-megawatt systems. When you think, kind of looking out further into the future, about getting from where you are now to having tritons, you know, a thousand full-scale tritons floating in the ocean, generating real power, and, you yeah. know, at real scale, like... I'm sure there's a million things you have to figure out, but are there a few big, big questions, big problems in your head of things you have to solve to get from here to there? Not as many as you might think. One of our biggest challenges is the, 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 the manufacturing scale up. Um, uh -huh. But much of the technology is resolved at this point. You know, we have 
an architecture that works. We have a system design that works. And one of the key things with our approach is that it's scalable. We have one system that generates one megawatt. You therefore have two systems that generate two megawatts. And then you just, you literally just keep adding it. And there are a few other companies doing what you're doing, right? At these government sites, as you said, there's a few different berths. Uh, when you're when your Triton C gets towed out in Hawaii, will there be other companies' uh, devices, products floating out there next to it? Uh, probably not, but uh, uh-huh. we do have other com- competitors, um, colleagues, really, because we're all in the space together, um, who are also working on the problem. Um, at this point, the, the the other company that will be going out at a similar time is a company called Sea Power. Um, and um, uh, there's also another U.S. company that did a deployment who are at a maybe slightly earlier stage called CalWave uh, that are based down in California. Um, and, and we're all working together, um, but we're all working together to solve the same problem. And I think ultimately in the, in the future, we will all be having part of the, um, of the overall mix there. There'll be different solutions for different locations. So you've been in this field for 20 plus years. That makes me it's feel been old. a time. Yeah. So sorry, I've been in my field for twenty plus years as well, um, and I'm not about to deploy something in Hawaii. So you got that going for you. Um, you know, it's been a time when there has been this incredible growth in solar and wind power. It seems like wave power has been much harder, and I'm curious. I'm curious how that's been for you. I mean, it, has it been harder than you expected? Do you feel like you have lessons from it? You know, that's a, that's a really good question. And I haven't really thought of it in that way before. Uh, you know, it's been frustrating in, in many ways because you can see the amount of funding and progress that's going into wind and the, the, the scale up that's been achieved. Um, but on the other hand, it also shows what we can achieve. So in, in some ways, it's a little frustrating when you see the amount of money that's gone into it and the fact that we are a little bit further behind and that we do have a much more difficult technology challenge to solve. On the other hand, once we solve it, then we have you know, a, a huge potential market. You got the whole ocean. There's waves all the time, everywhere. That's right. That's right. Especially, you know, if you look at where the majority of cities are, they're on coastlines. And so you can actually install wave energy converters in locations that are close to load. That has other significant advantages. We'll be back in a minute with the lightning round. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. 
But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. It's nice to work hard some of the time, and then it's also nice to take a break. But as an investor, you want your money to be working for you all of the time. And that is what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help your money do. Betterment has automated technology, things like low-cost ETFs, which are basically cheap, efficient ways to invest. And if you're parking some of your money in cash, Betterment offers a high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Betterment also offers automated rebalancing. They keep your money balanced across asset classes like stocks and bonds in the way that you want, so you're not always having to decide, oh, I need to buy some more of this or sell some more of that. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Now let's get back to what's your problem. Let's finish with the lightning round. Um, What's one thing that's surprising about waves that most people don't know? That they don't flow um, like water. The individual wave particle moves around in a circle that if you actually go out into the ocean and you put something down on the surface of the water, it doesn't flow along with the waves. It it actually moves around in a circle. And so it's only the energy that moves along with the waves, not the actual water particles. I also learned from your LinkedIn page that you were the archery club captain in grad school. Yeah. Um, do you still, what do you say, do archery? I don't even know the verb. Do you still arch? I, I do. I, I shoot sometimes is, is shoot. what's used. Do you still shoot? Yes, I do. And I have been, I think now for, you know, since I've been 18 months old. Um, it's always been a thing, a kind of... Um, did you say since you've been 18 months old? I did actually, yes. I have, there's actually a photograph of my is father teaching me safe? how to shoot. Is that even A baby with a bow probably, and arrow? Probably not. Um, but no, it was yeah. the 70s. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now you've told everybody how old I am. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've done archery for you know, 30, 40 years, basically. Um, and it's, uh, what is it about archery? What is it about archery that keeps you doing it? Why do you love it? Um, you know, part of it is the fact that you do it for a long time. So you get better at it, you get good at it, and therefore you like being good at something. And so therefore you can continue to, to be good at it. And I've been lucky enough to represent the national team for a number of years. Um, and so you, you do it because of that. Also, part of it is that just there's a lot of certain amount of joy in shooting an arrow. You have a favorite mythological archer? Not really. <laughs> no? I, honestly, the way the way it's always conveyed in um, in books and in fiction, it, it's always frustrating. You're like, no, that's not how you do it, and it's like screaming at the TV or, or or various things. It's like, what what is going on here? What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone trying to solve a hard problem? I think you've got to per- uh, persevere, basically, um, but you've also got to go back to first principles. Um, you know, sometimes that you won't 
you'll come across something that's in, that's seemingly intractable. Um, and then you, sure, perseverance is extremely important, but sometimes you have to take a step back, look at first principles, look at what other people have done, and then come at it again. Uh, maybe this time from a different angle. That's probably one bit of advice. I mean, tell me a little more about perseverance. Like in your particular case, right, you've been working on this for a long time. Is there something about you? Is there something about the problem? Like, how have you hung in there for so long? Oh, that's a good question, actually. I'm not even sure I have a great answer for that. Um, but I, I would say that I really enjoy it. Um, I, I really enjoy creating um, something in the sense that you have multiple problems here. And then you can, if you approach it correctly, you can break those down into individual parts. And then you can solve those independently. And then you can share that knowledge. And so the being able to, to publish and share that knowledge and discuss it and help and then use that and what other people have done in order to solve a subsequent problem, that's, that's invigorating. I think that's one of the reasons why I've kept involved in this. Um, and also because I believe right now the end is in sight. You know, we are close to being able to create a commercial system. Um, and to be part of that is fantastic. Tim Munden is the chief technical officer of Oscilla Power. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Upswell Marketing would like to remind our listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms, see two dentists, or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. In fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And if you mention that you heard about Upswell on this podcast, you will receive 15% off your first order. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. 